For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It is a nice day out today. I gotta, I gotta agree with Tom on that. Uh, hey, good afternoon. Welcome to our dreadful little show, Jack Riccardi at five fifty and one zero seven one KTSa. What does a guy have to do? What does a guy have to do in the Biden administration to be in trouble? I mean, what do you got to do? do? Do you have to remember when Trump said I could kill somebody out on Fifth Avenue? Do, do you have to kill somebody on Fifth Avenue? You have to steal a woman's luggage and wear her clothes on television. What do you got to do in this administration? The the Republicans have decided not to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. Have you heard this? The House took a vote on a resolution from my future wife, Marjorie Taylor Greene, to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Now, this shouldn't be controversial, even if it's coming from... The crazy lady. I mean, Mayorkas is awful. He's terrible. I mean, this is, this is the worst. October was the worst month on record for illegal immigration on the southern border. And the guy is, when he's not incompetent, he's arrogant. He has that kind of daddy Warbucks aura when he testifies. Everything's fine. You know. And um, he's been he's been absolutely dismantled. John Kennedy got him. Rand Paul got him. The, the Marco Ruby, you know, he he's had his he's had his fanny handed to him in, in the occasions that he's had to testify. They voted against impeach. Oh, and we just found out that the price tag for accommodating the people Biden has let in is over $450 billion in the last year. 450B billion dollars. That's all these stories you've read about hotel rooms in New York City and Boston and and here and obviously all the medical care and delivering babies and all of this. $450 billion is the price tag. So they... They had a resolution. She introduced, Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced a resolution that would begin the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Now, I could understand if somebody said, um, I, 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 you know, I don't know if he should be impeached, but I want to hear the case. I want to hear the facts. I want to be an impartial juror. I could maybe understand that. I cannot understand any Republican who voted against even considering this, but eight of them did. Eight of them did. John Duarte of California. See if you see the pattern here, by the way. Cliff Bentz of Oregon. Ken Buck of Colorado. Daryl Issa of California, very disappointed in him. He's usually a pretty solid guy. Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. McHenry, remember, was the acting speaker before Mike Johnson. 
Tom McClintock of California, Virginia Fox of North Carolina, Mike Turner, Ohio. The pattern I see is that these are all uh, states that Biden won except Ohio. And these are probably, if we looked it up, these are probably people that, they're probably Republican reps who are in Biden voting districts. And they think they're going to have it both ways and the alligator will eat them last because they took a stand against impeaching Mayorkas. Uh, Duarte said, the congressman from California said, we don't have time for this because of the impending government uh, funding deadline on Friday. Well, dude, you were just going to vote to begin the impeachment. You were going to do the impeachment this week. He's not going to be impeached before Friday. I mean, I'm not even in Congress, and I understand that. But what is what is the excuse with the Republicans? What is the excuse? When we had the Trump administration, they were impeaching everybody that, that looked out the window, the Democrats, right? They wanted to impeach everybody. They wanted to impeach people we didn't even have an opinion about. Rex Tillerson, impeach him. You were like, well, I don't even know what he does. Mayorkas, if you can't impeach Mayorkas, you can't do anything. You aren't worth squat. The guy is a disaster. And even if it isn't his policy, he fronts it, he makes the excuses for it, he's taken ownership of it. So even if you wanted to say, well, Jack, if you, and I've even said this, if you, if you impeach him, you'd get somebody just as bad. Still, Republicans, what are you about? And you know what they're trying to do now? They're trying to get Mike Johnson. The House Freedom Caucus has decided that the real threat to the country is Mike Johnson, the new speaker. You knew they would do this, right? You knew they wouldn't be able to let go. They've had so much fun destroying their own leaders that they thought, let's get this guy. And I'm sorry, but I have no, you, you want to know why? Sometimes people ask me, why do you say on your show that you don't belong to either party? I mean, you're conservative, you agree with the Republicans on a lot of stuff, you're probably going to vote for whoever they nominate for president. True, true, true. This is the reason why. This, this kind of crap is the reason why. This is completely unserious. And it just, it's just, you know, it makes you think we're, you know, it's been a good run and... <laughs> It's been a good 250 years. We're not going to be able to get this thing, uh, keep this thing going much longer. I don't know. I, I was not, I was reading an article today about how um, they're starting to panic, you know, with Trump getting pretty good poll numbers and looking like he might actually be able to, to defeat Biden. Um, they're starting to panic about what he is saying. The New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, they're starting to pay a little more attention to what he's saying about issues and what he's saying about immigration. Uh, they're describing it as disturbing. Mother Jones Magazine, it's an authoritarian blueprint. MSNBC, the government will round people up and put them in camps. New York Times, sweeping raids, giant camps, mass deportations inside Trump's 2025 immigration plans. Look, I don't know how to explain it to these limousine liberals, but the worse things get, the more people are going to like the sound of all that. We're not worried about overreacting to the southern border. Do they get that? We're not, we're not worried that we might do too much about the southern border. Or that we might do too much about fentanyl or cartels or the so-called Iron River of uh, gun smuggling. We're not, we're, not, we're not worried. We, the people, are not losing sleep over the possibility 
that the federal government will be too aggressive in in um, enforcing the border and our immigration laws. That's not what we're worried about. And this is playing right into Trump's strengths because he can point to the failure to impeach Mayorkas. He can point to the worst month ever, and he can say something that no other candidate can say. Not, I have a plan, but I had a plan. Not, I will, I shall, on my first day. You know, they all love, right, all these Republicans when they're on the debate stage. Everything is going to be on their first day. Have you noticed that? That first day will have to be 47 hours long because everything they promise to do, I'll do it on my first day. Is somebody keeping a list? You know, like you're not going to do all this in the first day. You don't even, the first day isn't even a whole day. You're at the, you're at the, the inauguration stuff till like uh, lunchtime. But the first day, oh, the first day. But see, Trump can say, I already, I've already done this. I got the numbers on the border you want to see now. I was able to do what they're telling you you can't do now. And we didn't put people in camps and we didn't, he didn't even deport as fast as Obama. Remember, they found out that Obama actually had a higher deportation rate. Remain in Mexico, all of that. It, and, and even now, look at all the people that have come around to the wall and the fence. And we knew they would. We knew they would. Do you remember a few years ago, it was so trendy for Republicans, like, remember Will Hurd? These people would come on, they'd come on this show, I'm sorry to say, until we get sick and tired of hearing them. Remember how it was cool for Republicans, Will Hurd, Liz Cheney, Dan Crenshaw, hand-wringing, pearl-clutching, really worried about this fence idea, this is not the way to do it, this won't be effective, we need to, we need to be more, we need to be smarter and, uh, you know, use technology. We're going to build the damn wall, okay? You know we are. Probably going to be too late, but you know it's going to get built. So anyway, that's going on. We'll talk about that. 210-599-5555. In a a speech yesterday uh, and also in an appearance with uh, Fox News, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu used the line that America is next that if Israel doesn't wipe out Hamas, if Israel doesn't win, if Israel doesn't do all the things they're saying they're going to do, that the world is imploring them not to do, America, you're next. And I think it's a very effective and smart thing to say. Because when you look at the people that are nitpicking and naysaying Israel's fight, do they seem to you to be people that could protect this country? Do they seem to you to be serious people? Do you, do you trust the squad? Do you trust the, the college students? Do you trust the people that are pushing elderly Jews to the sidewalk and laughing at them? Or... Ripping down, such a brave thing to rip down the missing person posters. Wow, you're a tough guy. I mean, you know what? We better let Israel do it because we don't have the people in this country to do it. 
the, the generation we're raising is not a, is not a generation. I'm sorry to deliver this bad news. It's not a generation that you you want to pin your hopes on for dealing with barbarians and people that behead and light people on fire while they're still alive and 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 all the rest. So you better hope that Israel does it. You should be if you don't want to cheer them on, if you don't want to say you support Israel, if you don't want to put an Israeli flag on your Facebook profile picture. I, I I don't care. I don't care about that. Just just let them do what we in this country seem to have lost the appetite to do, which is kick the butts of truly bad actors and go into places. Have you seen what Gaza looks like? Can you imagine being an Israeli infantryman and going block to block in a place like that? you have any idea how the hair on the back of your neck would just be standing up all the time? He's right. By the way, he's right in another way when he says, America, you're next. Where are the most Jews in the world after Israel? Right? So the people that are, that are from the river to the sea and we're going to eradicate them and Hitler had the right idea, of course they would come to this country and, and already have come to this country. He's right about that. Say what you want, but Netanyahu is absolutely right about that. Speaking of the squad, they were patting each other on the back uh, yesterday because the new thing is by by standing out there and calling for a ceasefire, um, they are brave. They were telling each other how brave they are. Uh, Jamal Bowman told Rashida Tlaib, your courage is why I'm standing here. Bowman said... My calling for a ceasefire is centering humanity. I am uplifting deeply what it actually means to be Jewish because I'm centering the way in which God wants us to live with each other. How is leaving the terrorists who killed 1,500 people, kidnapped hundreds of people, and are promising to kill the rest who they didn't get their mitts on the first time, how is that centering humanity? And and how is Jamal Bowman defining what it means to be Jewish? How do you even say that with a straight face? You know? Like how do you how how do you how do you pull that off? I understand that they the speeches are written for them and stuff, but how do you perform that? And and imagine Imagine what's going on over there, and you've got congressmen over here behind all this federal security, right? Bulletproof glass, armed guards, and they're publicly preening and congratulating each other on how brave they are. How courageous it is to stand and call for a ceasefire. And they were all getting into it. AOC got into it. She was patting herself on the back so hard she's going to have a crick in her neck. She she was um, repeating the casualty figures, but the way she said it was 1,400 lives taken on October 7th. Have you noticed how hard it is when we're talking about 10-7 to say Hamas killed people? It's always lives were taken, lives were lost. There's been too much loss. There's been death on both sides. People are suffering. People have passed away. I mean, you know, they find a million ways to not say this side killed that side. 
but they're very brave. I don't know if you've noticed. Take a moment to drink in the courage. All right, so we're going to talk about all this. Um, I want to hear about you. Uh, I want to hear from you about uh, about Mayorkas and um, what Netanyahu said. And um, we got a bunch of other things we're going to talk about here, obviously, um, with your calls and a JR poll. It's Rappin' with Jack time. Help us help these families, please. Go to KTSA.com and click on the Rappin' with Jack button. I'm hearing from people who are letting me know they just made a donation or they just dropped off some gifts. Really appreciate that. Thank you. And if you haven't done it yet or you're thinking about it, this would be a great day to do it. KTSA.com, Rappin' with Jack. All the details right there. So the, uh, the House Republicans are choosing not to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas because they have other things that need to be done. They've let you know where their priorities are. They've let you know where it stands. You, you, you might be hoping for the outcome of the election, but don't hope that the Republicans are going to use the power of the purse string or the power of having the House majority to do anything this year, to do anything before the election. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, 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 I always think it's a mistake when you're asking pe- the people, the voters, for more, you need to show them what you're doing with what you have. And I think what people will remember from 2023, if you were to do a word association, Republicans, Congress, 2023, I think all they'll remember is the, the, the drama and the slap fight over the speakership. And and there isn't anyone sitting in their house anywhere in this country who thinks that helped them or did anything for them. Speaking of which, I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I, I can't let go of this. It's so ridiculous. You know, that APEC conference in San Francisco. If you haven't heard this, San Francisco is hosting a huge international gathering. Not only is the Chinese president and a number of other uh, heads of state, but there's like, tens of thousands of other attendees from around the country and around the world. And the story goes that San Francisco has pulled off this miraculous transformation and cleanup. I I actually, I I read this morning, they even put like special um, LED lighting in along major streets to make them glimmer and gleam at night. And there was an overhead shot. I mean, it was spectacular. They've done all this in a hurry, all within a matter of of weeks, just because there's company coming. Here's a local TV, uh, KTVU story about it. Take a listen to this. Yes, that's right. The summit is expected to bring in $53 million, filling hotel rooms, bringing big business. Mm. And the city did tidy up for Dreamforce, but this cleanup is much more extensive. While San Francisco is in the spotlight for the Asia-Pacific Economic Conference, city leaders are making sure the city shines. Tourism is our business here in San Francisco, and we need to focus on making sure that the tourist dollars still come back. Caltrans repaving major roadways like the Harrison Street off-ramp from the I-80. BART doubling down by deep cleaning their stations overnight more often. The city had gotten a little bit... Dingy over time. Dingy. Scrubbing what and power washing is happening all <laughs> over the city. Yeah, the bottom of my shoes look clean. Like It's noticeable how clear the streets look and how few homeless encampments there are on major thoroughfares. 
having been a longtime resident in the Bay Area, you just naturally start to wonder of like houseless folks being displaced. Public Works is installing decorative crosswalks in North Beach and Chinatown. And the Webster Street pedestrian bridge in Japantown was recently repainted. The Yerba Buena mm. Gardens at the Moscone Center are decked out with new colorful landscaping and murals, paid for by the Clean California grant, just in time for the 20,000 high-profile oh. CEOs and heads of state coming into town next week. Some people say this should be how it's always done. What about the people who are here year-round, yeah. you know, and like local, yeah. hardworking, working-class Bay Area folks? Others welcome the cleanup. Anything that brings in uh, a positive look on the city of San Francisco is great. We will continue to do everything we can to maintain cleanliness in our streets. And city officials are saying that there are no additional funds that are being allocated for beautification. Departments are just using existing budgets. They also that? say that those budgets are being moved so that they can focus on the areas where APEC is taking place. Did you hear the that, though? Is expected to start they've, on they've always had the money. They always had the money. We just spent money we had. We just did what we could have done at any time. Oh, man, if you were, imagine if you were a business owner or a property owner in San Francisco, how pissed you would be. Pardon my language. Uh, do you, you've lived in squalor. You're stepping in poop. You're stepping over needles. You, you, you can't let your kids play anywhere. I mean, and then you find out they had the means, the money, the capability, probably even like a kind of an action plan, and they were just waiting for company to come over. You know, I, I, I've, I've said jokingly in the past, like we all remember when we were kids, right? Like your mom had like good dishes that she only used for company or she put out cake for company and you were like, why don't we get cake? You know, but, but I mean, this is like so much worse than that. And it's such a slap in the face to people that live there. And when you think about it, it it's even worse because somewhere in there, there was one of the people they quoted said, well, we hope it stays this way. You know, it won't. You know it's a Democrat-run city. So as soon as they are done impressing Xi, th it'll go back to the way it was. And wherever they have put the homeless people, I bet you anything they'll be turning them back into the neighborhoods and setting them back up. I mean, I, am I, do, you, do you disagree? I mean, I... It reminds me of when you watch those HGTV shows and they do like an incredible makeover. Somebody has like a cracker box house and they come in and they have designers and they do all this and there's, they do window treatments and paint and they replaster and they do. And you just know it's not going to stay that way. You know that it's going to start to get nicked and worn and fall apart. And what was the word? Dingy. <laughs> Dingy. How did that happen? What do you think? 210-599-5555. I mean, that really sums it right up, right? We're, we're, we're painting over the cracks. We can, we can make things look a little better temporarily. We're not saying we have any solutions. We're not going to govern the city better. We don't have an answer for homelessness or drug addiction, but we know how to hide it. Boy, that's a 2023 story right there, isn't it? I know a lot of people have left California, but what's the deal with the people that are still there? Like, how, how could you see what's happening in San Francisco and not just take that as a gigantic slap in the face? I mean, just an insult. We've let you writhe in misery. And then we cleaned it up when we decided we wanted to. But we didn't even clean it up. We just moved it around a little bit and painted over the dirt. You know, you, you can slap paint on something 
and it will look good for a short time. But if you don't paint it right, the paint peels and blisters and it looks worse than ever, right? I mean, you know that. Why do I get the feeling that all this, you know, rushed beautification in San Francisco will probably look like hell six months from now? The plants they're planting will be dead, right? People people have have weed on them and uh, laid down on them and everything else. Um, You know, the the, um, steam cleaning of the BART stations will come to an end. The home and and let's talk about people because that's the most important component of this. They gathered up the homeless, armies of them. They took them to camps. There's no other way to say it. They're not solving the problem. This isn't great society. We 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 want to make people's lives better. You know, the the Democrats have really lowered their standards. At, at one time, they were going to fix everything. Now they're just interested in hiding it. So you're not, nobody's going to be better off. They're just out of your way for a short time. I'm trying to remember, is this, would this be, would the analogy of a Potemkin village be right here? Who knows their Russian history? I remember learning about Potemkin village. Potemkin village was, um, I think this happened in the era of uh, like Catherine the Great or something, but there was a story that went around that uh, this Russian empress was going to make a visit. I think it was in the Crimea. And um, she was going to go to a place where there were a lot of dissidents. And long story short, because the the empress was coming, this guy Potemkin built all these facades to make a place that was squalid look grand and impress all of the people that were traveling with the empress. And they actually repopulated a village. They they, they took all the real people that lived there out because they were troublemakers and ne'er-do-wells, and they might have thrown something at the royal coach or yelled an insult, and they dressed people as townsfolk and made an entirely pretend village. I think they even did it more than once, the story goes. And it's legend. It probably didn't actually happen, but that's that's a Potemkin village. You You establish, you don't solve anything, you don't change anything, you just establish a facade over something that gets you through a short period of time. And, I, I, again, whether that actually happened or it's myth, sounds kind of like what San Francisco's done with the Chinese president playing the part of Catherine the Great. 210-599-5555. Um, I was reading, uh, I think it was, um, oh, man, I forget who it was now. There was somebody, some, some, some big-time lib was spinning that narrative about Biden. You know how every so often they try to convince you that the opposite of what you see in Biden is true? Like what we see is a guy that's slurring and stumbling, and, but in fact he's a, he's a, he's a dynamo. 
you know, it, it could, I mean, Biden himself says it, right? Like, try keeping up with me or just watch me. But but when other people, and I can, get, I can see him saying that, but when other people say it, and this was somebody, some commentator saying, yeah, no, I mean, Biden is not tired and he's not confused. He's, he's uh, you know, uh, a man half his age couldn't do what he's doing. Do they really think anybody believes that? Like, I remember being half Joe Biden's age. It wasn't that long ago that I was half Joe Biden's age. It, that isn't true. I mean, I'm not even, I, 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 just in the short time since I was Joe Bi- half Joe Biden's age, I feel it. And I wonder when I hear that stuff, and you and I tend to ignore it in one ear and out the other, um, or when they talk about how Bidenomics is working. You know, you probably heard last week the narrative was, this economy is actually really good. People just don't understand how good it is. Uh, voters can't grasp how good they have it. They're not sophisticated enough to realize that Biden has built a resilient, recovering uh, you know, economy. Do, do you ever wonder, you don't believe it, you mock it and you scoff at it, but do you ever wonder, are, are there people that, that believe this stuff? Or is this like whistling past the graveyard? I mean, take the job thing, for example. Now, I, I've gotten to where I don't even pay attention. When the jobs data comes out, I, I don't even pay attention anymore. I'm not in the news business. I don't have to write a news story about it. I'm not delivering a newscast. So I don't, I, I, I don't follow it closely. I'm not sure I can trust the jobs data because it's coming from the administration. But there's something even even more wrong with it. When you create all these new jobs, what you don't say is how many people are working second and third jobs. You remember the other day when we were talking about tipping food delivery drivers? You know how many calls I got on that and emails I got on that? There are tons of them. I mean, I guarantee you know someone who works two or three jobs if you're not doing it yourself. Your, your kids are, or you know someone who is, or your neighbor is. So when they talk about creating new jobs, it isn't like every single person gets one of those. Those represent second and third jobs people are having to do to not fall behind or pay bills or keep up with their taxes. And so the... Unemployment rate is misleading. I mean, it doesn't include or factor in people that have left the job market. It doesn't have a way of accounting for people that are working more than one job. You're counted as employed, whether you're working 38 hours a week or 68 hours a week. And when they talk about or he brags about or his adoring fans in the in the media brag about the job growth, they don't tell you how many people have to take more than one of those. Now, not that that's the end of the world, but if you're trying to raise a family or start a family, um, that's not good. It's not good for a society when husbands and wives don't see each other very much or people put off getting married in the prime of their life because they don't think they can 
scrape it together or get a house or pay for kit. You know, I, I just, I, I think to myself, how many people really believe all this? Just like how many people really believe that behind closed doors, Mr. Shuffles is actually running around just wearing out his staffers, just, just wearing them down. They're just exhausted trying to keep up with them. He's just peppering them with questions and, and holding meetings till all hours of the night. I mean, who believes that, right? Yeah, I, I just, I wonder about um, when, they're, when they're spinning this narrative that Biden is the opposite of what we see with our own eyes. Who, who out there, I, I understand there are Democrats and there are big-time supporters of his and of, of there's liberals. And I, I'm, I'm not in denial about that. But, but those people don't really think that he's a energetic, hands-on, getting it done, right? You know that. And for that matter, um, if if what you're saying is that the president of the United States is nothing like what he appears in public, then my question would be why? Like this guy that, and by the way, I looked it up, it was Mike Barnacle who said that a man half his age could not keep up with Biden. If that's true, and Mike Barnacle talks out of his butt cheeks, so he he doesn't know, but he's saying it. But I would just say, if that's true, what is the whole stumbling, bumbling, fumbling, I can't finish sentences, I don't know where to stand, what's that about? I mean, why couldn't we say the same thing about Trump? People that support Trump could go, oh, well, you don't know, but in private... He's soft-spoken and humble and intellectual and nuanced. What would be the point? Who would believe that? By the way, speaking of Biden and Trump, I saw where News Nation is going to host the next presidential debate. Did you know there's another one coming right up? Didn't we just have one? Don, was it last week? I'm trying. I'm, the days are all blurring. Didn't we just have the Republican yeah, debate was, last uh, Wednesday? Week? Last Wednesday, Thursday. Last Wednesday, right? Well, there's another one on December sixth. Why? Why do we need this? News Nation will host the fourth RNC debate at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, December sixth. I got to be honest. I don't think I can watch any more of them. I know I watch them for you, and I break, we break them down on the show. I don't know if I can do it. I don't think I can do it. Elizabeth Vargas, um, Megan Kelly, and Ileana Johnson from the Washington Free Beacon will be the moderators. Moderate, moderators. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'm as much of a political junkie as y- you could find. I mean, they're, they're really... It's ridiculous, right? I don't see the point. There hasn't even been that much time. I mean, I don't even know if Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy have had enough time to write insults about each other on index cards. Do you think? I don't, they, they may not be ready for the next, the next gathering, the next go-round. Anyway, tell me what you think. We're going to kick this all around, and we're going to get your votes in on the JR poll. You can chime in on any of these things at 210-599-5555. All right, this hour of our show is live. I'm live. This is happening right now. 
you may or may not have noticed that last hour was not live. Someday I'll tell you the whole story. It's It involves the phone. You, you knew it did, right? And I had to... There was no... There was no um, I don't know how to explain it. We all know how dependent we are on these things. It, it had to be dealt with. I have never in my life missed work for a stupider reason than that. I that that takes the cake. And this wasn't even the weirdest thing that happened today. You know what I thought? You know what story I thought I was going to tell you today? I stopped. So another day, I'll tell you the phone story. I stopped for coffee after I worked out this morning. And I got up to use the restroom. And when I came back to where I'd been sitting, there was a little piece of paper that I hadn't put there. And it was a phone number and a name from a guy. So I thought that would be the weirdest thing that happened all day. I thought that would be the strangest most unexpected, most unusual thing. And then the phone thing happened. So. And there's still daylight, so we don't know. There could be a third thing here. But anyway, welcome to what's left of our show. We have The Dish coming up at the 6 o'clock hour. It'll be live. It's happening. I'll tell you what else is happening. That I, I'm really having a, um, almost like, is this, I'm having like a parallel universe. Are we really seeing what we're seeing experience with the news lately? Do you feel that way? The latest fad on TikTok, and you need to know about this is no matter how dismissive you are of, of that platform and its users, because there are hundreds of thousands of people doing this, and they may be your family members, friends, children of your friends, etc. The latest fad is people are reposting and acting like they've just discovered Osama bin Laden's letter to America. And we've talked about this on the show in the distant past. I'm not going to read it. You can Google it if you're interested. But he wrote a letter about the 9-11 attacks. He obviously was taking credit for them. He's never denied that he was the man behind 9-11. But he wrote this, le- he wrote this letter that was just a rant, just a complete screed, okay? All those words, manifesto, screed, rant, apply to this letter. I mean... It- you know, it, it's like the equivalent of getting a text in all caps. <laughs> and this letter is about how 9-11 was a good thing and, and we needed it because we're, we're infidels and everything we're doing is wrong and against the will of Allah. And it's deplorable. It's horrible. It's disgusting. It's, it's not worth talking about. I'm only mentioning it or the existence of it because young people, and it looks like many of them are so young they probably weren't even alive on 9-11, are posting about how they just read the letter, and it's it's beautiful. And you need, they point their finger at the screen, you need to read it, they tell you. Yeah, well, I've read it. This is going in my... Um, I'm putting this in my theory we talked about yesterday, that this is not grassroots. This is not organic. 
I am I am more convinced today than I was yesterday that this stupid TikTok fad and and if you haven't seen it, you'll hear about it. These low information voters that are in the streets and uh demonstrating on behalf of Hamas, these people flying the Palestinian flag. Um we talked about North Andover, Massachusetts, probably other places. North Andover, Massachusetts, their official flagpole has the Palestinian flag. They're going to fly it till December 7th, they said. And it's surreal because underneath it is the POW MIA flag. Well, what are we saying here? Right? What, are, what, what's, what are we, what are we doing here? All of this is orchestrated. All of this is choreographed. We are being manipulated on a massive scale. And it's not, it's not Hamas doing it, by the way. They're not bright enough. Whatever this is, it is designed to divide and, um, confuse and dispirit we the people. It's too widespread and too stupid and too all of a sudden to be grassroots. I just, I don't buy it. I, I'm not denying the existence of anti-Semitism. But praising bin Laden's letter is the, just the, the final brick in the wall for me. I don't, I don't know. How do you feel about it? I mean, I, I don't believe this is really just, just sort of playing out. This being played out on us. Th- this is like a, you know, candid camera being sprung on an entire country or culture. 210-599-5555. The business about flying the Palestinian flag, I was talking to a friend of mine about this last night. He's not a very political guy. And uh, just to give you the, the background, he, he, he lives in Massachusetts. He, he had not heard about the North Andover Palestinian flag. He couldn't believe it. And we were talking about flags and flying flags, and it it hit me that, and I I just want to say this, there are not enough flagpoles in this country for the American flag. There are not enough flagpoles, public, private, public property, private property, tops of buildings, sports arenas. There are not enough flagpoles for the gratitude, the frickin' gratitude that we should have for being Americans. We can't fly our own flag enough. What are we doing flying everybody else's flag? What other country does that? Someday they're going to wonder. Someday they're going to look back. They're going to sift through the, the, the layers We'll all be gone. They'll be trying to figure us out, and there'll be none of us left to explain us. And they're going to try to figure out how we managed both the ingratitude of being Americans, because we are so fortunate, and we are standing on the shoulders of of giants and, and giant achievements, and we are busy digging in our closets for the flags of other countries and rainbow flags and this flag and that flag. And there are not enough flagpoles to display the U.S. flag. 
We can't fly it enough. When I hear people say, I don't understand why it's so important to have it at sporting event, this is why. Because you have to answer all these nitwits and halfwits that are trying to divide and declare their little splinter groups and their sub-identities and, and everything else. Every flagpole should have an American flag on it, and that still wouldn't be enough for what we uh, have inherited and how grateful we should be for it. I just I just had to say that. And you can disagree with me if you want. We could talk about it. I don't I don't get the fixation of of displaying every other flag of every other country, even the Israeli flag. We don't need to do that. They've they, they're fighting. They're doing fine. And and you see it on social media too. People are oh here's the Ukrainian flag, here's the Israeli flag, here's the Palestinian flag, here's this one, here's that one. Enough, enough. If you're using any of your rights and privileges of being an American, then you only have one flag. And there aren't enough flagpoles. This is not one of those shows that we, we do like all conspiracy theories, like those overnight shows that you listen to when you're driving across country and, you know, you're trying to keep awake and it's you, the theories about the whales and theories about the, you know... The contrails and theories about UFOs and th- I, I I don't think we do that, but I I do think there's some kind of greater coordination of events in the last month. I don't believe that all these people suddenly were just waiting for their opportunity to explode in ignorant anti-Semitism and there's never been. I mean, there aren't as many. Th- 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 there's more people in the streets of American cities supporting Palestine then there are Palestinians supporting Palestine. You know, just something is off here. I just can't figure out what it is or how it got pulled on us. But 210-599-5555. Pete is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Pete, welcome to the show. Jack, you said something a few minutes ago that got me going, man. You said all these pro-Palestinian people are digging out the flags from their closet. No, sir. They're going. They bought them. They just bought them a few weeks ago. Yesterday, where were all these people? October the sixth. <laughs> and where did all the flags come from? Like, where do you? Where would you go to get a Palestinian flag? I don't see those at the corner store. Dixie flag recently said, "Wow, they've never sold so many." And you know, I don't blame Dixie. That's their business to sell flags, but. They don't have to sell that one. They don't have to sell that one. Nope, you're right. But again, these people, they're not digging them out of their closet. Where were these people? No, I was being sarcastic when I said that, Pete. My my main point in saying that was what you just said. Where where did this all come from? I I, I realize they bought the flags, and thank you for clarifying that if I didn't make it clear. I I know they didn't have them in their closets, but um, maybe some of them did, but probably most of them didn't. Now, the, the real question, as you asked, is uh, how did we get all these people? What do you think? I mean, I don't think this is organic. I don't think this is natural. It's rust. Rust. America is kind of rust. It's rust? Is that what you said? Yes, sir. Are you? What does that mean? We're kind, of, we're kind of rusting away. All the elements have hit us, and people just, uh, you know, mm. let's just oxidize. Let's see what happens. And yeah, I but that wouldn't of- that that wouldn't lead you directly to joining a very specific 
cause with slogans and getting a flat. I mean, you, there, there's, there's such a thing as decline or decay, but I, I think people have to be herded into the behaviors we're seeing right now. Like, turning out the kind of numbers we're seeing, that doesn't happen just naturally. No, and, and that's what I mean. We're, we let our, a lot of people that just let themselves go, they kind of go with the wind, you know what I mean? It's fashionable to protest something. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't know what they're protesting. But here's a little bit of something that I noticed. Every December the 7th, I put my copy of the Pearl Harbor attack of the San Francisco Chronicle in my windshield. It's just a copy of the old newspaper from then. And I go to work, I drive on base, and you'd be surprised how many people, hey, where'd you get that? What is that? That's a, you know, don't know why I have that in my on my dashboard. Oh. Wow. You're saying like on base they don't know that? On, on, a, on a military base yeah. they don't know that? Yes, sir. It's disturbing. Guards, you know, it's disturbing. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of people, a lot of these people weren't born around 9-11. Yeah. yeah. They weren't well, there. You don't and have to I mean, have been alive to know a little bit of history, but that's that's an interesting anecdote, Pete. I, I, I find that hard to believe, but I believe you because you're telling me. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Um, it's not surprising, and, and I can tell you in, in this line of work we see it often, it's not surprising that the less somebody knows, the more passionate and intense they are about, you know, proclaiming it, right? Like, th- there's never anybody louder than the, the, the person that doesn't have their facts right or doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. So I, I get that part of it. I get that there is a kind of uh, urgency and, and, and stridency to people that are pretty low information, like they just they don't know the history. They don't they don't know how it, it, Israel was created by a vote of the United Nations. <laughs> okay, it was not created by by uh, by Britain or by the Bilderbergs or by America or by the Jews themselves or any of these things. But in any event, um, the, st- the nation state of Israel, the modern state of Israel. I'm not talking about the history of Jews living on that land. The modern state of Israel came about in the most, you could say, the most regular, formal, recognized way probably any modern state has ever been established. You know, most countries don't have that neat a beginning to their history. But you can't tell that to the people in the streets right now, right? You can't even start that conversation with them. You wouldn't get into the first sentence before they'd be screaming, from the river to the sea, and they don't know which river and they don't know which sea. I... I've started looking at the faces of these people. Have you done this? Have you looked at the people? Have you looked at the people? I know you're probably disgusted or you you look away, you change the channel, but do this if you get a chance sometime. Just look at some of these people. And I'm starting to think that some of this, and it may be what makes them vulnerable to being manipulated or herded, I think these are just very unhappy people. Like the the way they're screaming about Israel, they're probably that angry at a lot of things. They're angry at their mother and father. They're angry at their themselves. They don't like what looks out at them in the mirror. They're they're angry at at uh, you know they're they're bitter and angry and disappointed people. I mean, think of the the recording we played a couple of days ago of the young woman who was moaning about having to go to work 
and she felt that the very idea of work and going to work was futile and was sort of a, a, a ruse or a trap that we had all been led into. I, I think when you have people that are like angry at their parents, you can get them to do all kinds of things because they can't act out on that, but you can get them to play it out in other arenas and other places. I just, I look at these people, I think these are very unhappy people. Um, I also know for a fact that they can be as pro Hamas as they want to be, but they couldn't hack it in Gaza. They couldn't hack it in Hamas. Um, they would hate living under Sharia law. And that's basically the Bin Laden letter, which they're today praising like it's, you know, the greatest thing they've ever read. The Bin Laden letter is a love letter to Sharia law. He says his problem with America is that it makes its own laws, that it allows people to create laws, and only Allah can make law, and we should live under Sharia law. That's what he says. That's what the letter is about. These people couldn't live under that. Not, not a single one of them could. Or, or, or if this, that's assuming, by the way, that, that they knew what it was, which I don't think they do, but they couldn't make it. They wouldn't last a minute. And, of course, then it would be too late. Because one of the interesting things about Sharia law is then you don't get to have, like, meet the congressman night and public hearings and debate. Like, once, once Hamas took over in Gaza, that was it. They killed the other, there was another political party, Fatah, I think was the name of it. They killed all of them. I mean, that's what you're, that's what you're talking, that's what you're touting when you're touting this stuff. That's what you're endorsing. They have no idea. You almost want to laugh, except it's pretty serious. Really only like a little over two weeks away from Raffle with Jack, and I wanted to check in with the president of Family Service Association, Mary Garsh. She's joining us right now on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. So, Mary, good afternoon. Good to have you with us. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so very much, Jack. I um, I was thinking this afternoon about what a lot of people are probably going through right now, like they're maybe planning uh, travel for Thanksgiving or they're thinking about Thanksgiving dinner, and beyond that there will be Black Friday sales and what have you. What's going on with your families at Family Service Association? Like what, what, what are they going through right now? So... You know, just talking about Thanksgiving, you know, we have been working with partners to ensure that they have a Thanksgiving and that they have food on the table and are ready for that. And, you know, a lot of them aren't going to do Black Friday sales because they can't afford that. So, you know, their focus is on getting through this holiday, which is all about family. And it is so hard to believe that Rapping with Jack is just a couple weeks away. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. But Christmas, you know, again, just in a few weeks and making sure they don't have the heartbreak of not being able to, you know, have that Christmas cheer and joy and presents under the tree for their kids. You know, you all and your listeners and sponsors, they they help to open up their hearts and bring that Christmas joy in and really give our families a Christmas that they really wouldn't have without your help. So we are so very thankful. Well, we certainly always first want to say thanks to everyone who has already given. If you gave uh, from your debit or credit card at ktsa.com. If you bought, if you've dropped items at our sponsors, and I, I hear that that's going pretty well, but 
If you're still on the fence or you haven't done it yet, I would just ask you to think as a parent, how would you explain to your kids that Santa Claus wasn't going to come this year or um, would you would you even be able to do that? And what we're asking you to do is make some kind of a donation, whatever is comfortable for you, so that somewhere a mom or a dad or a grandparent like you doesn't have to uh, tell that story, doesn't have to explain that. And I know that you and your organization do things for these folks all through the year. And we, we sort of jump in, in in November and December because, as as I think you and I have talked about before, Mary, if if somebody that didn't think they were getting anything gets something, that kind of maybe makes them think, hey, maybe next year will be better or maybe things are starting to turn around for me, right? Absolutely. It It's more than just a present. It's showing that somebody cares. Yeah. And and in our world, when, you know, there's so much hardship going on right now and, and hurt and misinformation or whatever, and people just being out there on their own and, you know, for them to know that somebody who they may not even know and definitely doesn't know is caring about them at this point in time, as you said, it gives them hope. It helps them as we're, you know, working hard to help them with all their struggles to get back on their feet, get back in a good place in life so they can pick themselves up, move forward, and then have that bit of hope going into the new year to get through this next year, knowing that there is something better around the corner. We don't know when that day is going to come, but we're going to be with them every step of the way, and we can't do it on our own. You know, we do it with partners like you and, and all your listeners and sponsors because, as you said, all throughout the year, you know, we, we need supports for these families and we have these different points in time. But Christmas, Christmas is about joy and giving and hope and new opportunities with a new year and all that. And these presents give them an idea that, you know what, they can look forward to something and not be sad and not be alone, that people do care about them. Our community does care about them, and we all do this together. They turn around well, and pay you. it forward when they're back on their feet. So often that happens. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you again mm-hmm. to everybody who has given. We, we love that. We look forward to seeing you on December 6th at Blue Bonnet Palace. If you have not given yet, please go do it right now while you're thinking about it at KTSA.com. All the details, all the ways to give are right there. Mary, uh, God bless. Have a good weekend. And if I don't talk to you before, then have a happy Thanksgiving. Jack, happy Thanksgiving to you and, and your team and everybody out there listening. Thank you so much. Right, thank you. Mary Gar, the President Family Service Association. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not. First of all, they're all, they are some of the hardest working people. Okay. We've, we've been working with family service associations since 99. They are hard working people. Mary Gar never quits. She goes, goes, goes all the time for these families. That lady has beaten cancer. She had a cancer that almost killed her. And she doesn't talk about it. And we don't talk about it. But I'm going to say it this one time. She could have retired. She's a retired military officer, high ranking. She could be enjoying golf, travel, whatever. She's working for this nonprofit. She's working all day, every day. We can barely fit in a phone call with her because she's so busy. This is the, this is the level of commitment they have. So if you're wondering, should I give to Rapping with Jack? Yeah. That, th- these are real deal, uh, miracle makers and they do amazing work. We're proud to be with them. It's the only thing like this that our show is allied with. 
and we're proud to be and love to get you involved in that. And then we'd love to see you uh, come help us wrap the presents on the night of uh, December the 6th. We'll be at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma for that from 6 to 8. All the details at KTSA.com. All right, let's get back to our uh, dissection of events here. And um, it just kind of... The more I look at what's happening and the, the today the fad of the bin Laden letter, I, I just these um, these people have been managed and and misled and and herded into. And I'm not I'm not taking the blame away from them. They're responsible for the things they're saying, the things they're doing. But I think we do need to at some point acknowledge that there's a hand moving all this. Uh, you don't just suddenly have tens of thousands of people showing up with with Palestinian flags. Anyway, uh, Curtis is hanging on. Thank you for waiting, Curtis. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Uh, you know, I, I just find it really interesting that, like you said earlier, Israel was um, was recognized in 1948. Well, so was the state of Pakistan. That was that was partitioned off from India and recognized in 1948 and we don't see anyone marching because that because Pakistan was and and I'll tell you why we don't it's because the people that are marching for the uh, Palestinians in Gaza the I'm, I'm not going to say all of them but a lot of them are marching just because they don't like Jews and I'm not Jewish. I'm Christian, but I honestly believe that. I, I believe yeah. that. A I don't lot think of they like young... Christians too much either, to tell you the truth. No, I, I, think, I, I agree. I think when they're done I with agree. the Jews, they'll be coming for us. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But I think a lot of these young people that are marching have been suckered. Um, and these same people that are marching, if they had to live under the rules and regulations that people have to live in in uh, some of these. Islamic countries, yeah. uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't like it, and um, you know, and 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 I assure you, in these Islamic countries, nobody's marching for anyone there because right. Um, right. yeah, you yeah. know, and um, so I and, and I'm not saying that that we shouldn't hold these people responsible for their actions that that are marching and, and carrying on these protests because I I think they should be held responsible. But I, I think a lot of them are ignorant as far as uh, as far as history goes, and uh, and and they they've been bamboozled into uh, into what they think is true, but it's not. I totally agree. Well said, Curtis. Thank you. Thanks for being on our show. I completely agree. He makes a great point about um, th- th- there is a a I think a reflexive. To, to, to some people, and I'll say like intelligentsia, people that are not as smart as they think they are, they've been to college, whatever, there is a reflexive hatred of any religion. So I, I think it makes the Jewish state a more inviting target. They get a twofer. They get to prattle about white colonialism, and they get to oppose, um, you know, a religion. A religious system. I suppose if the Vatican occupied more territory or had disputed borders or something, I guess they could they could take issue with that. But but I will say I, I think 
I think you're already seeing in the fact that so many Christians are aligning with um, Israel and the Jews, I think you're already seeing that, yes, they will come for other people of faith. Anyone that makes them feel bad about themselves, anyone that shakes their confidence in their own secularism or atheism or meism, um, yeah, if you if you make them feel bad about themselves, they're kind of like cornered animals. You know, they get they get kind of feisty. Now, I've heard people compare this period we're going through to the 1930s. I think Alan Dershowitz said it on our show the other night that you know you had people marching in support of or solidarity with Hitler's Germany right up almost to the last minute before we got into that war. And then we wound up, obviously, fighting in that war. And that probably means that there's some overlap, that somewhere in the ranks of the the Americans who fought in that war, there are people, there were people, who a year, two, three earlier, were marching in support of the Axis powers. But at some point, they recognized that they had to fight, and they had to fight on our side, and they did, whether they were drafted or enlisted. And I've heard people say, we're approaching that moment where the people, the young people who are TikToking and in the streets, they could be the draftees, the enlistees in our next war. Would they have that same, okay, I've got to do my duty, or my country comes first, or now it's personal, or you, you, you can't assume that they will or would. I don't think it's the same, exactly. <laughs> I think it looks the same from a distance, but I think when you get close, we are not 1930s America. 1930s America did not have teachers grooming students in the classroom. 1930s America did not uh, demonize parents for going to school board meetings. 1930s America did not have critical race theory or the 1619 project. In fact, in the classrooms of 1930s America, teachers unabashedly taught that you were living in the greatest country and the country that was founded on ideals. And um, as I was saying earlier, you're very blessed, fortunate, lucky, whatever to be here. I know because my dad was in that generation, my mom was in that generation, they've told me, I've heard this countless times. So 1930s America was still producing Americans, even if they sometimes got a little mixed up about which side was which around the world. I don't know if we're doing that now. Certainly the schools are not doing it. You can join the show right now, 210-599. 5555. We'll be talking restaurants and the dish coming up after six. And Chris is next on the radio. Chris, welcome to the show. Well, welcome and happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And may your Christmas season be successful. Are great. And may Raven with Jack be great. Hope to see you there. Thank you. Anyway, beyond that, uh, you got to realize the Jews have a special place in God's heart. For those who believe in a God or believe in God, they go back 6,000 years. They were given the land. And a lot of people are jealous over that. A lot of people who are, quote, non-religious, but have that agnostic thought in the back, they 
tell them, well, yeah, but that's why they hate them, because they have a lineage of belief system that goes back 6,000 years. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing. A lot of people put their religion in jello, and they go with the whims and are not, you know, true Christian or true whatever. They Chris, let me ask you, though, let me ask you, though, because there's no, I mean, what you say is true, but is this really the, <clears throat> is this really the logical thought process that the individuals we see on our screens went through, or is the thought process they went through Hey, uh, my friend's going to this thing, so I'm going to go to it too. Or this person I follow says I should protest, so I'm going to. I mean, I don't know if it's as reasoned out as you're, as as you're making it out to be. Well, we know young people are stupid. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Well, I won't agree. With, I will not, not agree. Stupid. No, I will not agree with that. No, I will not agree. With I know that they are. They're not stupid. No, they are being manipulated. You are correct. But a lot but of people are followers. A lot of people, and not just young people, they just follow the taillights in front of them. And if the taillights in front of them go off a cliff, they do too. They don't, they don't, that's the last thing they see. And the biggest problem the Democrats are having is the fact that they're now having to, this splitter group that is against what I would call Schumer and everything else. I was proud of them being up there. I watched it online when they were, we had the uh, supporting Israel situation they uh they have to deal with quote this splinter group of that party that is yeah but you know what i would worry about with the democrats chris is yeah but the the democrats that are right on this are all like over the age of 70 yeah and the younger ones hey we're dealing you know i deal with kids and grandkids who are now 25 years old going to college luckily i have Taught them to think. Quick. Okay, but, but but don't get too far afield of me. What I was saying was, when you say you were glad to see Democrats, I assume you mean at the March for Israel event on the National Mall. Correct. I, I, Correct. I, the thing I'm noticing is, it's it's Schumer, it's Hillary Clinton, it's Bill Clinton, but you don't see the young, up and coming Democrats on the right side of of this issue. They're not reasonable. Uh, people on this. And so Schumer's not going to be there forever. Hillary's on her way out. I, I, I think that party, I don't think they're splintered at all. I think what we're seeing is the future direction of that party. I think you're correct in that part, but there were a number of young Jews who were there at the meeting at that part who were interviewed. If I watched it via web, via Israeli TV. I went that way. And they were doing it in Hebrew and in English. Mm-hmm. And a okay. number of the youth were very much for, and some of them are running for Congress up in the Northeast. Okay, That's good. good. Well, I'm glad years, to hear that then, because we, 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 we would be in trouble if one of the two major political parties in this country uh, slid into that. Edge. Yeah, went over the edge on that. that Chris, i got to hold you. Thank you. Great call as always. Conrad said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. All right. Well, 
I don't know about you, but I've got my wallet out, and I am ready to talk restaurants on the dish on a Friday night. Who's with me on that? Two ten five. Like, what is he talking about? You had to be there. Those who know know. Uh, Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five is our number. And in this hour of our show, the last hour of the last show of the week. Uh, we talk about restaurants in and around San Antonio and South Texas, and it's the way people talk to you know to one another about restaurants. It's not a restaurant review. Uh, it's just you know the way you would tell a friend or a coworker if you went to a new place and you wanted to give everybody the skinny on it, or you maybe a place that's new to you and you were sharing your discovery with your friends or family, or you want to sing the praises of an old favorite of yours. Um, we're talking about every kind and any kind of restaurant, cuisine, chains, holes in the wall, mom and pop, big places, small places, every kind of food, every kind of price all around. And you make the call to 210-599-5555. Please have the complete, correct name of the restaurant, whatever you're going to say about it. Got to have that. And then you can praise... Or you can zing. Huh? 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 I'm stressed. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. Phone lines are open for you to do that right now. They're all open right now. 210-599-5555. And uh, along the way, we'll also take your votes in the JR poll if you haven't yet voted. Oh, no, there isn't one today. Scratch that. Forget I said that. No poll question today. So, um... We won't have that at the end of the hour. Or maybe I'll do like the media and just make up some results. There you go. Problem solved. All right, 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants um, on the dish. And, yeah, you you can certainly, uh, people always wonder or they're a little tentative about, well, what if I want to tell a bad story about the food or the service? Yeah, you can do that. I mean, that's what this is about. But just telling it like it is, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, Probably not indifferent, good or bad. 210-599-5555 on the dish. Speaking of um, this time of year, we were talking with Mary Gar, and Thanksgiving is next week. I guess this could be like a poll question. I want to throw this out for you, see what you think about this. This This is how I feel, but maybe not everybody feels this way. Christmas trees go up after Thanksgiving. Right? You with me on that? Christmas trees after Thanksgiving. It can be Thanksgiving night, but I don't know. There's something about Christmas trees before Thanksgiving that feels a little off kilter. And again, I'm not trying to make a law or anything, but now who's with me on that? Christmas trees are a after Thanksgiving happening. 210. 599-5555 to get in on the show, talk restaurants. Uh, let's start with Francisco on the Jack Riccardi Show. Francisco, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great as well. I kind of just wanted to talk about this restaurant, Wei Chow, that I went to last week. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, so... Um, it's a Taiwanese place, I believe. They serve boba drinks, but I just got, like, a sesame chicken, and I really, really liked it. Um, what made you try that place? Was it your first time there? What made you try it? Um, I live in Holotis, so it's kind of, uh, I guess, like, sort of on the way of 
my day to day. Um, so yeah, it's kind of by Ob Schnabel. So I passed by it, just recently opened up. I heard, so I thought mm-hmm. I might try it out, and I really liked it. And you said the sesame chicken was good, and yeah, yeah, the sesame chicken was good, and I got a boba drink. I got one of mm-hmm. the like milk teas. I'm not really sure what they're called, but yeah, mm-hmm. I really liked it as well. It wasn't too sweet or anything. Are you a boba drink guy where you try them at a lot of different places or? Uh, not really. Um, no. I don't really usually have them too much. I don't really like things too sweet, but I thought they did a really good job. You know, most of the time oh, good. those drinks good. tend to be just like packed full of sugar. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't usually get them either, but I know there are some people that are very particular. They have their places that they go for them and they like them a certain way. So Wai Chow Taiwanese Comfort Food is what it looks like it's called. 9703 Bandera Road. Are they open lunch and dinner? Uh, I believe so. I, I think I remember, I went around midday, but I remember seeing something about lunch specials that they had. Mm-hmm. Good. So Great. I would imagine that they're open for dinner and lunch. Well, that is awesome. I'm glad you called, Francisco. Have a great uh, weekend and a great uh, Thanksgiving, and thanks for calling the dish. First-time call on that one for us. Praise for Wee Chow, or Wei Chow, W-E-I-C-H-O-W, Taiwanese Comfort Food, 9703, Bandera. On the dish, 210-599-5555. Christine is on the dish. Happy Friday, Christine. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I this first time I've ever called in to a radio show, and I had a I was driving, and I had a pull over in a parking lot because wow. I really want I really want to get the word out about this restaurant, which I think is fantastic. It's Let's called hear about European it. Dumplings. It's called European Dumplings. It's on mm-hmm. uh, Northwest Military in Castle Hills, authentic uh, Ukrainian cuisine, run by uh, the the cook is her name's Olga. It's a husband and wife team, and Simon they're the owners. It's all family-run, authentic mm. Ukrainian cuisine. Uh, I, we've had everything on the menu. It's fantastic. Fantastic. <clears throat> Ukrainian food? Well, um, it's. Uh, have you ever uh, have you ever had any type of Slavic food, Polish food? Yeah, I've had some Polish food. Okay. Well, um, Ukrainian uh, food is is very similar. Um, oh, okay. To, yeah, it's it's fantastic. European Dumplings mm. Cafe. Uh, we've tried everything on the menu, and it, it's superb. <laughs> it's a very wow. small. It's a small. It's a small establishment. They. They. I think it was last year at the beginning of the Russia. You know, at the Russia-Ukraine conflict, there was actually an article in the San Antonio newspaper mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a small. It's a small place. Maybe seating capacity of thirty. Thirty. It's very clean. Run by a husband and wife team. Uh, mm-hmm. Simon and Olga, who who is from Ukraine, mm-hmm. but you must go. It's fantastic. Yeah, boy, that does sound good. I I know the other place that got a lot of um, attention at that time was uh, Laika, the cheesecake uh, bakery mm-hmm. on uh, Broadway, for the yeah, same reason that it was Ukrainian owned, and uh, a lot of people discovered it to show support, but then discovered it was also you know incredibly good. So yeah, I want to try that. European yeah, Dumpling can. Cafe, 2211 Northwest Military Highway in Castle Hills, right? Right. They're All open right. for lunch and dinner and closed on Monday and Tuesday. Great. Great first call, Christine. I hope you'll call again sometime. Thank you. Have a good evening. And you have a good weekend. Happy uh, Happy Thanksgiving, too. All right, praise for That's another one. First time call in the dish, European Dumpling Cafe, 210-599-5555.
And um, I, I'm glad you're here. I hope I can stay here for the remainder of the show as well. Hope we can all stay together. That'd be nice. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Really it really yeah. would be, yes. Um, it's been an interesting day. A lot of stress on this side of the world. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. Well, um, that's show business, Don. You know, this is... We got to remind ourselves I we're know. not running a we're not running a pet store here. Live you know, this radio. Is, uh, this yeah. is show business. Yeah, it's live radio. There's a lot of moving parts and technology, and you know, radio is a hundred year old uh, medium, and yeah. we're using some equipment that's a hundred years old to do it. So I'm worn out. I really am. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Well, you'll be, you'll be free. in another physically. forty minutes. You'll be free of me for a week. So you. We'll have that at oh, least. Oh, that's right. You're right about yeah. that. Oh. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah. 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 Happy voice got lighter. Did you Happy hear? Thanksgiving. Did you hear the? Did you hear the relief in his voice? Did you hear the way his, his, <laughs> you could hear his spirits lift like a hot air balloon? All right, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. You can talk restaurants, praise or zing. Even if you, um, let's say, you were thinking about calling in on a particular Friday night, and and somebody else called about your place, or you know that we've had calls about. I still want to hear your, you know, your view, your take, your experience. And we've, we've got places that over the years we've had dozens of phone calls about. You know, um, we've been doing this feature on and off for, I guess, about 20 years. And, um, not always on Friday nights, but pretty much this kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's good to hear more than one affirmation or viewpoint on the same restaurant. And a lot of popular places do we do get a lot of calls about them. So, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. And yeah, if you want to weigh in on the Christmas tree question, we can do that too. I mean, I just think, you know, let's give Thanksgiving its room to breathe, and then if you want to put the Christmas tree up, like that night or Friday or Saturday, I could see that. I don't know. There's something about already having it up before Thanksgiving that's just I, you know. Feels a little weird. 210-599-5555 on the dish as we talk restaurants. And normally I would be promoting the fact that we'll have the poll results, but we didn't do a poll question today, so um, that's not available. We did. Um, we talked about uh, wrapping with Jack, and I'll just mention again, if you want to help us with that and you've heard about it and you've been part of it before, the the, the challenge every year is that we need you to think about this earlier than you probably do most of your Christmas shopping or Christmas planning or preparation. So it's it's difficult because by the time you're just getting into, all right, what's my list and who am I shopping for and what am I doing, we're wrapping up the Wrapping with Jack campaign. I mean, our, our campaign is over December 6th when we're out at Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma. So between now and then, for these next couple of weeks, roughly, um, we're going to need a miraculous uh, turnout of donations and money and you can find out how to give and what to give and what we need uh, by going to ktsa.com and then all of our sponsors who are listed there on the website are also drop-off locations so you can pick things up and drop them at the sponsors you can bring them with you the night of december 6th you can just donate money if that's easier for you all those options are there on the wrapping page at ktsa.com. All right, back to your calls on the dish, and let me get to Charlie on the radio. Charlie, happy Friday night to you. Happy Friday, Jack. Uh, just calling in to praise. Uh, nice little uh, 
casual Japanese restaurant on Bassy Road called uh, Piranha Izakaya. They're known for their ramen ramen bowl things. <laughs> oh, I love that. Pl- I'm glad you're calling about that. That is a very cool little place. Yes, I love the. Um, I know I've heard you talk about it before, and my father talked about it. Um, I, I went when I was a kid, but that's about all. But the Fujia restaurant over on Wurzbach, I remember it was not the same, but more similar in the the strive for authenticity. It's not a sit-down steakhouse. It ain't nothing where they cook the deals in front of you and make the little volcanoes out of the onions. But it's a nice little authentic, casual Japanese restaurant. Right, right. Yeah, it's very. It is very casual. Um, they have like picnic table tables, and they have they have that indoor outdoor bar that, when the weather's right, is kind of a cool uh, place to hang out. And um, it's in Quarry Village, which is across the street, across Bassey from the actual Alamo Quarry. So it's in that shopping center that has like Five Guys and Jamba Juice and all that, right? Yes, sir. And the thing with their menu is. I told my wife and my brother-in-law, that's who I went with, um, that I wanted to walk in there with about three or 400 to be able to spend because I read the menu and everything just, I've only tried probably about a quarter of the menu, but everything on the menu, it's finger food or, or quick eats. Everything sounds delicious and it sounds like, sounds like a guy could conquer it if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're a young man. You'll get there, right? You know, just you know, pace yourself. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you called about that, Charlie. That is awesome. And you have a great Friday night. And praise for Piranha Izakawa, if I'm saying it right, or Izakaya. Uh, a lot of people just call it Piranha, and that's the biggest word on the sign. So if you just see that, you'll be okay. And it's 260 East Bassey Road. Uh, Steve is on the dish on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Happy Friday, Steve. Happy Friday, Jack. Uh, I'm calling about... Via 313 Pizza on Wurzbach Road in the Gateway Shopping Center. It's a mm-hmm. Detroit-style pizza. Detroit-style pizza. And uh, I never had it before. And, uh, you know, it's cooked in a square pan. It's kind of deep dish, but not too deep dish. But uh had the Detroiter, which was uh, pepperoni and cheese. And then it had the um, uncured pepperoni. And I love that little uncured pepperoni, how it gets all crunchy on top. And then they sauce it on top. And uh, it was very good. I was pleasantly surprised. And it uh, exceeded my expectations, I guess you would say. Hmm. Hmm. What made you try it? Uh, just I'm trying to uh, – when I go up and visit my daughter, I, we try to explore new restaurants. And uh, we had eaten at the Indian uh, Indian – place that was across the street a couple weeks ago and we saw that and it's they call it like a little austin triangle i guess because it's got a p terry's and then that sets out front and then the via 313 and then also there's a torchy's tacos in there so oh yeah okay all all of those are originally austin restaurants i guess that have funny that moved down yeah Via three thirteen, uh, Detroit style pizza. Yeah, there's, there's. I guess there's two of them here. There's the one there on Wurzbach, and there's another one, I think, on Loop sixteen oh four. And as you said, they're in Austin. So, would you recommend? It, I, I guess, would you recommend that Detroiter for the first time? Is that a good, oh, I, a good one to start with? Absolutely. I, I think that's the experience. We had like a, 
a beet salad uh, as an appetizer, and then we had that three one. We had the Detroiter, and I think it's a good uh, a step in. It was just uh, a good classic uh, pizza. I, I had them cook it uh, well done, so it's a, a little extra crispy on the sides, you know. So it was really good. Excellent, very good. All right, Steve. I like that. I like a man that knows how he wants his pizza done. Like he. He orders it well done. I like that. That's good. And I appreciate your call, sir. Have a good weekend. Praise for Via 313. Uh, we had a call in June about uh, the other locations, so that's good. Uh, Via 313, Detroit-style pizza, which I guess is similar to Chicago-style, but don't tell that to people from Detroit, right? You can praise or zing your most recent one. I want to hear all about it. Tracy's on the show. Tracy, happy Friday night. Happy Friday. Thank you. So the restaurant so I up? want to pra- the, the restaurant I want to praise is called Don Benito's. It's here on the access road of 1604 traveling east. Um, the actual address is 7525 North Loop, 1604 East. Um, right here at I-35 and 1604 kind of crossed from the RBFCU headquarters, little strip center. Um, they have another location on Military Drive. Uh, I've eaten there three times, and the food is homemade. Tortillas, the chips at the table, all of it's freshly made. Um, they have a enchilada plate that has uh, three different styles of enchiladas that are fabulous. Um they also have a plate that has a little bit of everything on it, and it's called the Un Poquito de Toro. So it's got a cheese enchilada, cheese flauta, a homemade tortilla, and guacamole with rice and beans. It is really fabulous. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I've never seen that, but I have seen, <laughs> it says here online that it's in Gateway Plaza, and I know I've seen the sign for that. So what right. would you? How would you get over there if you were on 1604? How would how would you get over to Don Benito's? I would actually exit Lookout Road if you're coming from the, um, like if you're coming from the west. From the um, west. Or you can go down to you can go down to RBFCU Parkway and do the turnaround. Um, okay. So it's on the access road. It's between the brand new Goodwill and right before you get to the QT station. If you pull in uh, close to the Little Caesars, it's right there. Gotcha. I've worked. Gotcha. I've passed it for three years, and I don't know how long they've been here. But I needed a new hole in the wall to eat when I want to unwind after a busy day. They are crazy busy at lunch, but at dinner it's like so nice and quiet and calm, and it's a family-run mm-hmm. place. It's, the food mm-hmm. is amazing. Boy, that does sound good. Yeah. So it's so it's basically across sixteen oh four from Randolph Brooks. Right. It's actually probably, I mean, you can see the building from the parking lot. Right. But it's, it's actually, if you're headed east towards 35, you're going to see it on the left. Um, if you right. look for the QT's gas station, you can't miss it. Can't miss the QT. All right. Very good. That's, it sounds, that sounds like a neat find. I like the way you described you were looking for a, a hole in the wall. We all, we all need to, <laughs> we all need a place we can, we all need a place we can hide, hide in, right? Uh, Don exactly. Benito's. Gateway Plaza, 7525 North 1604 in Live Oak. You did a great job describing it, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for being on our show. 
uh, praise for Don Benitos. Uh, you know, except for Piranha and Via 313, all of the restaurants called in so far tonight are all places we have um, not had on the dish before. So that's always exciting. We get to add to our repertoire of uh, places. Get to add to the binder. I know people think I'm joking when I say that, but Don, you saw the binder one time, right? You know I'm not making that up. There's an actual binder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You were you were kind of it's a binder of restaurants because you thought that was like a figure of speech. Yeah, no, it's a it's a binder of restaurants. Let's make sure it's a binder of restaurants. It's not a binder full of women. Yes, not saying I don't have that too, but that's another show. I'd like to see that uh, binder. Full of women. That another night. I can't share that with you. I can't. Uh, that's well, not for you. You don't have to share. I just like to yeah. see it. Yeah. Well, I don't think you. I don't think you need to see it. You have a woman. You're you're good. <laughs> if she's listening right now, you're also you're also in trouble. So there. Well, I wasn't going to um, use it. I just wanted to see it. Oh oh, I see. Oh okay. Just looking. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of um, things that have been on the dish before, uh, let's uh, say good evening to our friend Gennaro. Hi, Gennaro. Hey, Jack. How you doing, man? I'm all right. How did you like being... Callers are now referring to you as the accidental florist. How do you uh, feel about that? <laughs> I feel great. I mean, it's, it's, I feel honored. You kind of have... <laughs> I mean, there's very few callers that have a nickname. I mean, that's, you know... Well, you know what? Um, uh, that's like having a personalized off. license plate, Gennaro, you know? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Well, you know, that's a thought to think of. Uh, you know, I'm getting on in age. Hey, maybe one of these days I'll have a show on KPSA called The Flower Guy, you know? Anyway. That uh, that um, certainly could happen. Um, You know, usually, man, I call and I'm kind of joking and stuff and everything, but uh, I'm calling on a kind of a little sad note today about mm-hmm. a local uh, uh, greasy spoon. TJ's Burgers at twenty three mm. twenty three West South Cross. Yeah, and TJ's Burgers has been around since like nineteen seventy four, and uh, a couple of months they announced that they were closing down. Yeah, and TJ's Burgers, man, is a staple in San Antonio. That's where I in the late seventies, uh, my uncle John John Regino. He had these daughters, and it was, they were going through the disco age, and he had a standing order every Friday, 12 mm-hmm. burgers, mm-hmm. 12 uh, uh, fries or onion rings and sodas. And the first time I went out there, I kept nagging him, Uncle John, Uncle John, uh, can I have my burger plain? And uh, he just, like, brushed me off. And on the way home, and it was raining, it was cold. And he's like, you know, Gennaro, you can't always get what you want. Okay. So we get to the house, and the girls are ready, ready getting to go out to disco night. And he's like, take the burgers to your cousins. And I'm telling my cousins, uh, is there a plain one? And they say, scrape it off. Scrape it off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that night, I had my first TJ burger, and I scraped it off. And holy moly, man, it was the most yeah. amazing thing I ever had in my whole life. It was oh. the boogie capital of the USA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember you telling, I, I remember you telling the disco story one yeah. other time. I, you, you were, you were going out to a disco and you had TJ's first or something. Yeah. That was, 
No, cool no, story. I was a kid. No, I was a kid. My my cousins were the ones that would go oh, out. Oh, so in this story, I, you're not going to the disco. The fourth, but in the one you no, told us before, in, you were no, going I, to the disco. No, they were always no. going to the disco. I was in oh. I was in elementary school. <laughs> you were too young to go to the disco. <laughs> yeah, but um. Anyway, TJ's denounced. Um, yes, a couple of months yeah, ago. Yeah, I think just a couple of weeks called, ago, right? They yeah, were closing. Yeah, yeah. they. Yeah, they're closing after 50 years. Uh, apparently, yeah. uh, from what I heard, um, the original owner passed, and they decided just to close it. But, man, that place was an icon, man. TJ's Burgers, I think man. This place I, is like, I think this place is like that, that we don't realize, you know, if they've been around a long time, we don't realize that they're just hanging on by a thread. And because when yeah. it's been there a long time, you just figure, well, they're solid, they're set, they're established, but place like that, you know, the business world compared to when they opened to now with all the chains and everything, all the changes, it's got to be tough. So. Yeah, man. So it's 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 kind of sad. And I, and I hope some of your listeners out there uh, that are listening right now maybe have some stories of TJ's, mm-hmm. man. But mm-hmm. uh, TJ's, man, that's when I, I they first told me, hey, if you don't like it, scrape it off. Uh, okay. that were, those are words to live by. Yeah, that that could be advice <laughs> for a lot of things. You know, well, Gennaro, you have a good you have a good night, sir. I appreciate your sharing that. That's a cool story, a little background on TJ's. And yeah, I'm, I was just looking while he was talking, and we we've been getting calls on TJ's. This is an example of what I mean. We've been doing this a long time. We've been getting calls on TJ's going back to 2009, and of course, it was around even longer than that uh, on uh, on South Cross. So. A couple of times, and we haven't done it in a long time, Don Cooper, a couple of times we've done a, a show where we asked people to call in with the past restaurant they miss the most, mm-hmm. you know, like places that are no longer with us. Yeah. I forget what we called it, but that got a huge response. It did. It did. There's a, there's a whole litany of places that have a place, you know, people remember them. I mean, every day a place goes out of business, but most of them haven't been around very long. You've out of sight, out of mind, you forget about it, unless something jogs your memory. But there are certain name restaurants mm-hmm. that when you start talking about them, people get very emotional and they have memories. And I think we did that uh, once when the pig stand on Broadway had closed. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one that I always think of is like Maggie's on San Pedro. You remember Maggie's, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Um, That's right. So we'll do that again one of these. Uh, the original these Earl Abel's. Darn days. The original Earl Abel's mm-hmm. would be a good one. The yeah, one. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's there's a lot of them, and um, I know we had a great response to that. And it's been a long time since we did it, so we'll bring that back. Not now because we're almost to the end, and I want to give it justice. But two ten five nine nine, and we got to and we got to figure out a title as, as what to call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I the way I just described it was <laughs> awkward. I don't know what we can call it, but I'll put you in charge of that. You're you're in charge of coming up with a name, a creative name. So. Um, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Uh, we're gonna talk restaurants on the dish for a few more minutes. I gotta play this though, Don. Do you have the do you have your little sound bites uh, queued up? I want to play this. This is a very weird. Um, this is a very weird moment. People really trying to figure out what this means or if it means anything. Uh, you know, President Biden was in California for the summit meeting with uh, the Asian leaders, and he's at an event where he's praising Gavin Newsom. And it sounded almost like he was passing the baton to Gavin Newsom. Listen to this, cut number six. I want to talk about Governor Newsom 
want to thank him. He's been one hell of a governor, man. <laughs> Matter of fact, he could do anything you want. He could have the job I'm looking for. What? A matter of fact, he could have the job I'm looking for. Dude, you have the job you're looking for. Are you running for it or not? Is he running or not? Can we? <laughs> you know, you know what I think it is. What do you think I, it is? I, I think it's a slip. Uh, once again, oh. it's something he was not supposed yeah. to talk about. Was supposed to say. Right. Well, they better stop telling him stuff that they don't want him to say because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but he says everything. He reads everything. If you write instructions on the speech, you know, like on the teleprompter, he reads them. He is the Ron Burgundy of politics. I've said it before. He, if it says on the teleprompter, uh, repeat line, right? He's done that, right? Yes. He'll say, repeat times. the line. Mm -hmm. Or pause. He'll say pause out loud. He'd be fun to watch on Broadway. I mean, he'd be reading all the stage directions and the lighting cues. and I, I don't know. I mean, you can't tell. Look, they just can't tell him stuff unless he's allowed to say it out loud. So if Gavin Newsom is the president-in-waiting, they shouldn't have told Joe Biden. Um, he also said something. This was kind of creepy and weird, and I, I think it just came out wrong. Um, he was talking about fentanyl and knowing. He says he knows people in Delaware who lost children to fentanyl. Cut number five. Listen to this. Uh, you know, uh, we're in a situation where we agreed that uh, fentanyl and its, precur its precursors will be curbed substantially. And the pill presses. That's a big, that's a big movement. They're doing, uh, and by the way, uh, you know, I, I won't, I guess I shouldn't identify where it occurred, but John, I know uh, two people near where I live. Their kids literally, as I said, uh, strange, they woke up dead. Someone had inserted in, whether he, the young man did or not, inserted in, uh, Mm. Uh, drug he was taking. So the phrase that people that kind of caught people up was "woke up dead." I mean, I know what he means. You don't wake up if you wake up dead. But Our kids, literally, as I said, strangers, they woke up dead. See, I there's no way that was written. Like that's not a speechwriter. I don't care who the speechwriters are. They're not. They're not that bad. They'd 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 work that line better. So it, it's um. It's both the, the thing where he says stuff that pops into his head, and when he veers off the teleprompter, it gets um, weird. You know, it's funny, though. i, I got to say, in fairness, you know the second worst guy for going off the teleprompter is Trump, right? The difference with Biden and Trump is that with Biden, his people are cringing when he goes off the teleprompter. And with Trump... Trump just wants to, like, emphasize or drive home the point. Like, when he goes off the teleprompter, he's giving it to you good and hard. Like, I, I don't think what they wrote is strong enough, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it more, you know, heavy-handedly. Uh, and, and a lot of it is also, rep like, he'll, Trump will just sort of, if he likes a line or a statistic, he'll just repeat it a few times, you know. And you know it's not written down three or four times, but he'll say it, so... Um, it's got to be hard to be the people that walk Biden's stuff back and every day they have to clarify. And I'm not talking about Corinne Jean-Pierre. She doesn't really do it. But they've got other people in their communications office that just do nothing all day 
but straighten out, clean up the transcript, put out the amended comment, clarify for the news organizations that bother with it, like MSNBC or CNN, oh, this is what the president really meant, this is what he's referring to. And then with Trump, you, you know that was like Kayleigh McEnany and Sean Spicer, and again, the two of them are a workout for their comms people, just in different ways, but hardest working comms people ever, got to say. All right, um, we are still rolling since we don't have a poll tonight uh, due to our technical difficulties of earlier. You've missed a lot, I'll tell you. Thank God it's... We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Big oh, stop it. Solutionary Oh, Lord, I love it. Hey, um, just enough time to say thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you here on the radio a week from Monday.